Princess Rise for their Majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Stand by! Three cheers for Her Majesty the Queen! Welcome back to Royally Obsessed. I'm Caitlin Menza. And I'm Lisa Ryan. And it's time for your weekly update on the royal news you need to know. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Subscribe to the podcast and leave us the royal rating of a five-star review. That really helps us out. Yes, and just to circle back to the Facebook group, I just want to say that I'm usually never on Facebook, but I spent a lot of time on the Facebook group this weekend, and I love it. Yes. Everyone there is so fun. I had the best time. And it led to some content, which we're going to read in a moment. Uh, You can also send us an old-fashioned email at info at gallerypodcasts.com. This week's Royal Refreshment is... And now it's time for the Weekly Royal Cocktail. Lisa's already had an entire one, which is why it should be a very interesting episode. It's actually good. It I is guess good. Let's say what it is. So it's uh, we're back on the Casamigos because we opened the bottle, so now we have to finish it. Yeah. And we mixed it with um, pineapple soda. So it's like a. I think what's good about it is it's a legitimate cocktail. It's pineapple tequila, tequila pineapple. Yeah. That's how a real person would say it. Yeah, it tastes really nice. And, you know, like there's not as much sun anymore and <laughs> life has just been really terrible. So it's just really nice to have this wonderful tequila fruity cocktail. Yeah, listen, I'm not judging. I'm very excited. Um, I love my second one. Yeah, I'm working through the first one. <laughs> Live it up. Pour one of your own, again, if you're not driving to work on Thursday morning. Um, on this week's episode, we are discussing, well, we're jumping off with some royal adjacents, some some hangers-on, some other royals as well. Yeah, we'll some get updates. Some updates. Um, then we'll jump into the Fab Four, because they're quite active, as you may have noticed. <laughs> if you have, like, an Instagram or anything. <laughs> exactly. And then uh, we want to talk about this new book about Prince Charles. It's really wacky. Oh, and how royals make money. I'd like to make some. Yeah. <laughs> Will this help me? It's really good finance advice in there, as you'll soon see. Um, but first, we'd like to read some reader or some listener emails. So first of all, I'd like to introduce them by saying, we have a lot of New Zealand listeners, which I didn't realize. Me either. Yeah. And of course, those New Zealand listeners were visited by none other than the Duke and Duchess of Sussex this week. And so at least two of our listeners went and waited in for hours and hours to see Meghan and Harry. And then they wrote to us, which is exactly what everybody should do if they have an encounter <laughs> with royalty. Yes. And so I was on the Facebook group on Sunday and I saw... Rachel, who wrote us the email last week uh, telling us to um, watch Made in Chelsea. Of course. Which you did. Which I did. And it's exactly (laughs) as you described it, Caitlin. It is exactly as you described it. British sales. But I was like, Rachel put in the Facebook group that she uh, went and met Megan. And I was like, email me. And so she emailed us and sent us an update. And so I'm not going to read the whole thing because... It was wonderful, but it was very long, and she wrote at the beginning that we can kind of edit it down. So I'm just going to read some of it, and she's in Wellington. Um, She wrote, Yesterday, Meghan and Harry laid a wreath on a war memorial site. I had gone along with my sister and friend to stake a good vantage point, and we waited for nearly three hours for them. It was totally worth the wait. They did the official wreath laying and then went on the walkabout. It didn't look like they were going to come to the area we were in, but suddenly it was all happening. Harry rounded the corner followed by Megan, and suddenly she was there in front of us. You guys, this woman is the most beautiful person I have ever seen in real life. She is luminous. 
I love this one. <laughs> her eyes aren't just brown like in the photos, but have amber flecks in them. Amazing. No wonder Harry stopped in his tracks when he met her. Wow. And she was so gracious and kind when she accepted our flowers and shook our hands. We complimented her in the cookbook and the baby, and she was sweet. And she was like, oh, thank you so much. And also, Rachel said that she went out um, and kind of hung out with some of the royal reporters like jealous amazing yeah Yeah. after like as if it weren't enough to uh to see harry and Meghan up close she went out with the royals reporters yes and the royals reporters told her that they think that megan's actually around 16 weeks pregnant instead of like 12 weeks which was what was originally reported so interesting yeah Yeah. but then we got then we got another email so yes first of all thank you rach that was absolutely amazing we love you rach yes um so then i'm going to read the other one with which is from a listener named danielle and the subject line is i met megan all caps which is exactly (laughs) correct um i'm absolutely obsessed with the royals and listen to your podcast every week um though i missed last week's because i was on too much of a high from meeting megan again all caps it still doesn't really feel real so it doesn't feel real and I really wanted to email you guys. My friends and I got there at 5.30 a.m. and we waited for six hours for Megan and Harry. When they finally arrived, I almost died. Unfortunately, we didn't get to meet Harry as they did a side. They each did a side. Megan looked absolutely stunning as usual and was so nice. She really took her time making sure she met everyone and made direct eye contact when you spoke to her. I tried to hold it together when she got to me, but I blurted out one million things. I had to hold myself back from asking for a hug. She said thank you to me at least five times and also took a list of baby names we made her and said that she'll show Harry. It was amazing. I still can't believe it. I really wanted to share this with you guys. Here is a picture of Megan staring into my soul. So (laughs) I wish you guys could see the photo. It is... uh, First of all, we printed it out and it takes up an entire printer page of printer paper. Um, it's a very up close. So it's like the of size Meg. of our faces. Exactly. I feel like I have Megan's face in front of my face. So first of all, if you took what I imagine is a cell phone photo, not a camera photo, two inches away from it looks like you're about to kiss Megan in this picture, which is what's so amazing about it. If you took a photo of me at this close range. It would not be pretty. The you'd see the pores, every like weird discoloration. Megan looks like she's a sixteen-year-old girl. It's such a strikingly beautiful photo. Yes, and so I support you as a strong, beautiful woman. But yes, no <laughs> one in the world would ever look as good as Megan. Like flawless, but real and yes. natural. You yes. know, like it's just great. It's Luminous amazing. Luminous is definitely the word. So we really appreciate you sharing this photo, and uh, really the dedication of you guys. I am extremely impressed i imagine we would do the same but 5 30 in the morning you know not a huge not into that and six i just it's amazing and i'm so glad you guys did and again if anybody else was on the tour we'd love to hear your details email them to info at gallery podcasts they're so fun this made my whole sunday when we got this email yeah me too and so we can do oh this week in real history yes and it's actually quite great (laughs) so good now, this week in royal history. So in honor of Halloween, which of course you're listening, we are recording on Tuesday night, so Halloween has not yet hit, and you'll be listening to this in November, a whole other month from now. But um, Oh my God, how is it November? I know, we'll get to that because it's a lot to wrap your brain around. But um, So we collected some of the best costume moments of the royals. Not Halloween outfits because they are... Well, there's at least one Halloween photo in here, but costume moments. So let's see. In 1941, (laughs) we have then Princess Elizabeth and Princess Margaret dressed in costume for performance of Cinderella at Windsor Castle. So it looks kind of like Margaret is dressed up as a 
dude. So maybe she's Prince Charming. No, that's Elizabeth as a dude. Oh my God, you're right. Margaret is the younger one. Wow. They're both wearing like sort of Victorian wigs and it's completely absurd. And then in the 80s, um, we have William and Prince Harry dressed as like in police uniforms and they're just these cute little boys and it's also really sweet because now we know that George loves the police or yes. like dressing like police. Yes. <laughs> and so we uh, we actually talked about this photo um, in the spring when we were imagining what Harry's stag party would be like because we thought that this photo would be the ideal cover photo of like a bachelor invitation. Like these two boys being like little cops. Yeah. It's just so cute. Um, then we have also in 1987 Prince Harry dressed as a red goblin for his nursery school nativity play. Now I went to a Catholic elementary school. I don't remember what role goblins played in the nativity. <laughs> so if anybody could enlighten me on that. Um, but he's wearing little tights and it's freaking cute um, um in 1999 uh, fergie brought princess beatrice and eugenie to santa's starry night show and they were both dressed as ballerinas with like full-on tutus and i don't mean like harry bradshaw tutus i mean like legitimate tutus that are like jetting out to the side yeah it's amazing it's 1999 so they were probably around like 9 and 11 or so um then we have another one from the yorks um fergie Prince Andrew, Beatrice, and Eugenie were dressed all in Disney costumes in 2006. Why? I don't know. They're all like Disney princesses, as if it's not enough to be real princesses. You have to dress up like, they look like maybe Belle or Aurora from Sleeping Beauty. That's amazing. And in 2007 and 2008, during Kate Middleton's uh, party stage, um, we have two costumes for her. One where she was dressed in a black vampire outfit for a night out. And then the other costume, which we've talked about before because it's one of our favorite moments of hers, but it's when she went to a charity disco party in a sequin top and yellow shorts. Yes, of course. So the vampire one's especially funny because she looks like such a typical like college student. Like sexy vampire. Or 23-year-old, which is what she is. She's wearing just a black lace dress and like black high-heeled boots with a black cape like that's the costume it's just a black cape over a sexy black lace dress it's just funny to me oh and then we have an actual halloween costume princess eugenie in 2016 wore a cat costume for the unicef uk halloween ball but like her cat outfit looks like it's like a military jacket yeah, it sort of looks like a sergeant pepper's um like costume with then a cat hat mask on top but you know i'll take it and like a leather skirt i don't know it's it a, a lot it's, it's a lot of look it's not like a real cat but whatever <laughs> it's a lot of look um so uh halloween man it's i guess it's over now as you're listening to this i hope you guys had fun i hope you're still enjoying candy and now it's on sale oh yes so that's a, a holiday unto itself um, yay <laughs> so before we get into the fab four we're going to do some royal adjacents well this one actually the first one is a real royal unto herself she's just not one of our regular royals yes so we're going to Japan with this one. Yeah. So Princess Ayoko of Japan, who's 28, and she's the youngest daughter of um, the prince and princess, she um, had to relinquish her royal status in order to marry her sweetheart, yes. who was a commoner, and that happened on Monday. And I mean, I, I think that's I think it's lovely that she was allowed to marry. I think like, you know, pretty much sucks that she had to give up her royal title because yeah. obviously like William was allowed to marry someone who was like, quote unquote, common. Yeah. 
but yeah, she wanted to marry a commoner though he's a businessman um well it's they even note here um in this article which is from the cut i just realized <laughs> oh yeah i didn't even know <laughs> did, did you, you didn't write this no okay. it was not me um but yes per imperial house law women lose their royal title and allowance if they decide to marry someone without aristocratic ties um but the rule does not apply to male members of the royal family how do you like that that sucks i know that sucks change that I know so that's terrible but they got married on Monday and in this beautiful little statement um, she said I am awed by how blessed I am I will leave the imperial family today but I will remain unchanged in my support for his majesty and her majesty she's also not the only one of her I believe her siblings one of her siblings has done that as well maybe Mm, no there's no way to know (laughs) sorry no there's no way to know second tequila no way to know (laughs) no way to know um but yeah that's beautiful we love love yeah and then we have another well so that's an actual royal but now we have royal adjacent yes uh which is jessica mulrooney who we all know as Meghan markle's best friend and stylist she is now a fashion contributor for good morning america and she had her first segment this week and so She's basically commuting from Toronto to do these segments, which like I think anyone would do because that's such like a great mm-hmm. gig. But I did see something in Celeb Bitchy where they kind of speculated as to what this role means, yeah. because obviously Jessica is not really like doing any press and stuff. And I mean, she's always done like Canadian um, TV shows, but she's been very tight lipped about uh, working with the with royal Megan, family. Like yeah. we've never heard anything about it. And so Celeb Bitchy kind of speculated as to whether this means that um, Megan might be hiring a stylist in London and kind of right. Jessica Facing stepping her back. Out. Yeah. Just kind of being like, but not in a mean way, not in a bad way. Just like, you know, Megan obviously needs someone in London who like can help her with her needs because yeah. it's a full-time job. She needs like a full-time stylist. And yeah. Jessica has three kids and like demanding jobs. And again, lives in Toronto. And lives in Toronto. So that was a speculation. I don't know if it's for certain, but I think that's a really good theory. And I also think this is a helpful thing, much the way that Megan is launching careers for fashion designers when she chooses to wear them. She changes their careers completely. She has launched Jessica Mulroney essentially on the global stage. So now she's like, thank you for all the help in getting me to transition to my new Duchess role. Um, I now gift you a GMA contributor role um, thank you and goodbye and now Jessica could also like have her own fashion line or style to this really her whatever own show she, her own show whatever she wants to do um, so I think that it's sort of a mutually beneficial like parting you know yeah. and they can still be friends and it doesn't have to be weird if you're like who wants to boss their friend around sort of it's kind of what you do with a stylist or like you get in trouble if the outfit doesn't look good yeah of course know? and I mean I thought that like I mean, she did a segment about capsule collections and how, like, you need to only have, like, really six things that you wear all the time. And I think that's kind of valid because I have, like, the New York City closet where I don't have room for anything. But I just thought she was she would seem like a natural. She has a really great, like, TV presence. I think that she will do very well for herself on the national or international stage. I agree. So, ta-ta, Jessica Mulroney, (laughs) for now, sort of. Or, like, next week when you do your next segment. <laughs> yeah, it's we'll see. We'll see you then. Um, so on to our beloved four. Yes. And let's first go to Megan because she gave yes. another amazing speech, which is so wonderful. I love listening to her speak because not only, 
does she have like such a lovely voice? And I don't really like talking about women's voices because we get enough like as we've discussed, we get enough hate for how we sound. So. Yes, apparently we have vocal fry. Did yeah. you hear? Um, <laughs> but she's so she sounds lovely, but she's also so freaking eloquent mm-hmm. and so smart and so well spoken. Yes. Um, so the tour has wound down, and again, as you're listening now on Thursday or later, the tour is over holy god we made it um but this is always going to be a standout moment to me so on the 125th anniversary of women getting the right to vote in new zealand and new zealand was the first country to do this um she gave a speech about the importance of women voting and she delivered this speech and first of all an amazing dress and second of all right below a gigantic portrait of queen elizabeth obviously none of this is an accident she's giving sort of her most um politically minded and most not forceful but definitely an a speech that everyone was going to be talking about right in front of a portrait of queen elizabeth it's like here she is literally taking up the mantle of i don't know and and it it's it was a major moment and she said like in part The achievements of the women of New Zealand, because obviously she was in New Zealand, uh, who campaigned for their right to vote and were the first in the world to achieve it are universally admired. In looking forward to this very special occasion, I reflected on the importance of this achievement, but also the larger impact of what it symbolizes. Because yes, women's, women's suffrage is about feminism, but feminism is about fairness. I mean, wow. oh my God, like mic drop, <laughs> like Megan, what yes. were you right for the cut? <laughs> I know. Um, so that's just, again, they're not allowed to be political. That is a longstanding fact. Um, you see it on the crown all the time, how tight lipped she has to be, uh, Queen Elizabeth has to be. And so even as something as little as saying that it's a good thing that women vote is actually a very provocative thing for her to do. Yeah, because then she goes on to say, suffrage is not simply about the right to vote, but also about what that represents, the basic and fundamental right of being able to participate in the choices for your future in that of your community, the involvement and voice that allows you to be a part of the very world you are part of. That's amazing. Yeah. And I don't, I also don't think it's a coincidence that she makes this remarkable speech and kind of unprecedented speech for, um, you know, female of her generation of like the royal family mm-hmm. right around the time of the midterm elections in the yes. U.S. So we are going to take a brief <laughs> moment to be slightly political and say that we hope that every one of our U.S. listeners goes out and votes on yeah. November 6th. Yeah, this is our last episode before the midterm. So. Please, guys, you've seen what's happening in the world. <laughs> Please. It's very important. Please go exercise your right and use your voice much as Megan does. So soapbox kicked aside. Um, back to <laughs> back to Megan. Um, but yeah, it was a ma- it was a major moment. She was dressed in this very glam black Gabriella Hearst dress. Um, and she was standing again in front of the portrait. She was in front of the prime minister, who, as we know, is a young woman who just had a baby a couple months ago. It was just it. It's a big deal for her to be saying feminism in front of the globe, in front of the prime minister as a diplomat is major. And so that to me, when I think of this tour, I will think of baby hugging. Um, A lot of it. A lot of the baby (laughs) hugging, the kangaroo toys, um, that blue caped dress that I see in my dreams and this (laughs) feminism speech. So thank you guys. Wow. Wow. What an amazing tour. What an amazing tour. And then also she might be kind of returning to Instagram. So 
we saw a shot of um, the Invictus Games that was shared on Kensington Royal. But then if you look at the caption, it says like that it was taken by the Duchess of Sussex. And it looked like a really great like iPhone shot. And we know she has her iPhone. And then we later saw something that was posted by Prince Harry. So are they kind of making or like is she making a return to Instagram is are they maybe going to have like a couple's Instagram the way that like, you know, Princess Eugenie has her official Instagram? I would love that. I mean, we have the Kensington Palace account. Maybe we could have a Sussex account. Just saying. It also reminds me of, you know, how Kate often takes photos that. Kensington Palace puts forth and posts. So I like the both of them. They're all just getting involved, taking photos on their iPhone and putting filters on them just like the rest of us. Mm-hmm. So I enjoy that. And then meanwhile, the wedding exhibit in Windsor has opened. Yes. And so we're hearing some stuff from the uh, pre-recorded interview that kind of just plays like the audio yeah yeah i guess i imagine you get sort of like an audio guide when you go um again weirdly i have not yet been to windsor and they have not invited me yeah that's so strange um i'm sorry can someone fix that (laughs) hello windsor are you there yeah i haven't been there yet so i don't know but i believe you get an audio guide and on the audio guide you have which i don't know if you have to pay for it or whatever but worth every penny because you have harry and megan in your ear whispering secrets to you about their wedding clothes and then everyone kind of wrote about this one thing including the cut where i work but it's kind of funny because it makes it seem like a way bigger deal than it is because it's kind of just like a cute little story but you know like megan revealed what went wrong at the wedding and of course what went wrong is like the most romantic beautiful thing possible it was about flowers yeah so she says in the audio recording we have a very small garden that here that we had been planting things in the fall for. And what was really special, I think, was at the morning of the wedding, Harry went in and he picked some flowers to go into my bouquet, which was really beautiful and something that makes it sentimental and really meaningful. We didn't have as many flowers in our little garden as we had hoped for because I think it snowed at Easter. That kind of ruined the whole thing. I mean, so like that's what went wrong at her wedding. Like she still had lovely flowers, but just not <laughs> as many as she maybe hoped. But yeah, whoops. Um, another sweet thing that you hear in your ear is an anecdote about um, the little the outfits of the little page boys and bridesmaids, which, as you know, is always going to be my favorite kind of detail. So uh, in on the tour, uh, Prince Harry points out that the page boys uh, coats had their initials embroidered in gold thread on their shoulders. So little Prince George had his initials there. Do you think which, it was PG? I have no idea. <laughs> or like GC? G- I, yeah, like George Cambridge. I think his initial is PG. I think his name is Prince George, and like Cambridge is just like what you call him. Maybe he just gets a teeny tiny coat of arms on his shoulder in gold thread. <laughs> Maybe it's just King George. Yes. So KG. She, exactly. No, wasting no time. And Megan said, which was your choice, which I think is such a beautiful keepsake for them. Um, and then Harry says, we had 10 bridesmaids and page boys under the age of seven, which everybody says is impossible to have them behaving, but they did it. And Harry laughs. And Megan says, it's a miracle. It was a miracle. Those two just laughing away about their wedding yeah and then on kind of a different note we also have another update from the royal tour um prince harry was seen comforting a young boy whose mother had died so he was in new zealand and i'm reading from an e article right now and so um with wife megan by his side the duke of sussex was in the midst of a walkabout in auckland new zealand when he stopped to talk to six-year-old odia and after learning Odia's mother had committed suicide, a concerned Harry comforted him, saying, Life will always be all right. You know what? 
I've made it to 34 years old and life is great. I have a beautiful wife and a baby on the way. Your life is going to be sorted. Don't you worry about that. And then he took a selfie with him, um, which is usually against royal protocol. Um, and you can see that in the Daily Telegraph as well. And then he apparently said to the boy's grandmother, you're doing a great job, Nan. Nans are so important in our life or our lives. I'm going to cry. Yeah. I'm going to cry. <laughs> My threshold for crying is very low, to be fair. You guys should know that. Caitlin but and I have been working on various things today since 530 in the morning, basically. Yeah, so so we're is, very tired. Yeah, I can't. This uh, It's so beautiful. And I just love that, of course, Harry would take a moment um, to comfort a little boy. It's just these are great people. These are yeah. great people we're talking about. <laughs> They are uh, our closest friends, other so, than each other. I, we choose so well. Um, so that's really beautiful. Um, this tour is is over, but and we'll get a rest, and they'll get a rest, and that's good for them. But I am going to miss it. It's going to yeah. be a weird withdrawal. And then we have some other like fun things yeah, let's lighten it up. coming up. And also, I, mean, I need you know, a breath. But I mean, like in general, we have other fun things. Oh, yeah, so no, we're we going to we dive do. more into the tour. But right now, we just have like too much going on. It's too much. We're so busy with our tequila. <laughs> Somebody is. But excuse you. No judgment. <laughs> but the other two members of the Fab Four were out on Tuesday as well. Yes. So, of co- again, not to be outdone, uh, William and Kate went to a sports thing. It was Coach Core again. Oh, yes, of course. Um, what I was most focused on, sorry, kids, I'm very, this program is a very good one. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago, but um, some a fashion note. So Kate Middleton wore a Meghan Markle outfit. I'm just going to say that. Totally Meghan Markle. Yes. Um, I do not make that comparison in a negative way. I love this comparison. Oh, yeah. We are not comparing them like, oh, they're fighting. We're just like, this is just very Megan of her. Yes. So she wore like a black turtleneck, black pants, black booties, and then a gray plaid blazer. Not unlike By Smythe. Ser- by Smythe. And not unlike the Serena Williams one that Megan wore on her tour. If you put them next to each other, they look just like they dressed like it's Well, the twinning. Serena one was more loose fitting this yeah. one was more fitted and yeah. i i love this serena one because i love serena williams and i think she walks on water so like she could do basically anything i'd like look at her like, <laughs> there she is fashion hero. designing yeah but i actually do like this blazer that kate wore more yeah. like that's the one that i'd be more likely to add to my wardrobe but then when she was doing some sports she took off the blazer yeah so i thought i noted to to lisa and no offense to theater kids but i thought she looked like a theater kid because she's dressed in head to toe black like black she looks like she's wearing a cat suit like that's how you dress when you do stage productions so that you can be in the crew and like run out objects to the actors and not be seen by the lights so she just looks like a stage kid but then also in fairness she looks like a new yorker because we tend to wear black on black on black yeah so i don't hate it i would also buy all three of those pieces i love i love a black turtleneck obviously the black booties were stunning yeah i'd wear the whole thing she looked amazing like she's really just been like radiant every time we've seen her since little louie it turns out taking a six-month maternity leave is really good for people yeah and also like not dealing with horrific morning sickness anymore yeah she's she's really living her best um oh but one of my favorite quotes from the event she apparently said to somebody that hugs are so important and she keeps telling her children how important hugs are hugs are so important Man, does what, she want to hug us? Does she want to hug us? We're available. Um, yeah, I just think that's really sweet. Again, just like another reminder, these these four are so lovey, so affectionate. I'm so grateful. Yeah. Aw. <laughs> I might need a hug. 
Caitlin, later. I'm too busy with my tequila. I can't hug you right now. Later. The microphones are in the way. Anyway, um, yeah, very cute event. Very glad they're back at it. So there's also a new book that's coming out that I've been seeing excerpts from on the Daily Mail, and I wasn't really sure what was happening. I'm like, who is this guy? Why does it? There's so much stuff all of a sudden. But Lenny Gossip broke it down on Tuesday and explained it all to us. And I found it to be very helpful. So reporter Robert Jobson has written a new biography of Prince Charles called Charles at 70, Thoughts, Hopes, and Dreams. And he researched the book for over 18 months while traveling on official tours with Prince Charles, the future king. So yeah. she's like, presumably there had to have been some access. Mm-hmm. And so this book that's coming out, which I don't even know when it's coming out. It's coming out soon. But <laughs> the excerpts have been like, published all over the Daily Mail. And so it's been kind of the source of some stories that we've been seeing. So first of all, one that Lainey brings up is she talks about how um, uh, Robert Jobson says that Prince William is a little grand, which is an interesting thing to that? say. Is that a Britishism? Explain it to me. I think so. What, co- so. what code is that? So the it's it kind of goes back to what we said last week where we like talked about whether or not there's a little bit of rivalry between the two and this doesn't seem to say that there is but it does seem to say that like william is aware of his role as the king and again to all of our listeners we're not criticizing him we (laughs) like him we think he's great i also Um, don't buy it yeah but anyway so sorry i'm getting ahead of my i'm getting ahead of us i don't buy it i'm going to quote this let (laughs) me quote this go ahead and then i'll disagree with you immediately oh great let me do that get to it okay um so it says the two brothers get along well most of the time william was happy for instance for harry to pursue his passion for helping injured servicemen by setting up the invictus games as far as william is concerned harry is aware that his brother is number one in the royal pecking order many members of staff even operators on the palace switchboard are aware that william can be difficult or a little grand i don't know called I don't really understand why all these like anti-William stories are coming out right now. I don't really get it. I don't get it. And I want it to stop. Yeah. Make it stop. But the book is really interesting. And so I don't really think we should like go into our whole thing about William because we talked about it last week. But I want to talk about this other thing that came from this book because. Yeah, it's really fun. I aggregated it on the cut. Like no big deal. <laughs> you should read my article. It's only like the best thing ever. But it was like this most nonsense drama that is funny because apparently you know when the queen and megan went on their like very beautiful lovely Adorable. road trip where they just looked so happy together it was a train trip which is my favorite aspect of it because i imagine them like padding around in slippers and having tea together like i just love that image and they're like night coats so cute yeah but so the queen apparently told her aides to tell megan or i guess megan's aides that the queen's going to be wearing a green hat to honor the victims of the Grenfell Towers fire. And then Megan was apparently just like, okay. And she did not understand that that was an order because how would you understand that's an order? Because right. like, if like if you tell me, Lisa, I'm wearing gray, I'd probably be like, thank you, so I will not match you today. Right. But like, would... why would you think that means wear gray like me? Yeah. And so the story goes that the queen was a little baffled that Megan didn't wear the hat, but that, that just kind of helped them get even closer because she, she was like oh don't worry Megan I'll teach you yeah I mean first of all if she's surrounded by professional employees of the firm shouldn't they be able to translate like don't make Megan translate every bizarre movement and thing that the queen says yeah like that's your job 
it sounds like to me if someone said i'm wearing a green hat i'd be like that's so nice for you i'm really (laughs) happy like what a nice thing for you i encourage other people to wear hats because i don't think i look right in them so like good for you um and also as you might recall from that event uh the queen wore this amazing neon green as she often does outfit with a neon matching neon green hat and megan wore that tan out like the sort of beige dress with the wide shoulders by Givenchy. by Givenchy. so they looked amazing together i remember they were like giggling their little faces off yeah that event, like whispering to each other so clearly it didn't cause any bad blood or even like awkwardness because they were so cute together at that event and the so. queen would not be cute with someone unless she felt like no really strong affection for them she's not especially cute with her husband of one zillion years so to be like that with megan really says something she's only cute with megan harry horses (laughs) corgis that's the entire list that's it like (laughs) that's the exhaustive list yeah i mean listen those are cute things completely but now let's get into this story that I really want to talk about because we actually have the writer of this story here in our very room. And by that, I mean Caitlin. Yeah. So I wrote a story. Um, so I am a contributor to Mike.com, M-I-C.com. And I do weekly uh, finance stories for them and like financial advice stories, which mm, maybe I should not be giving. But I talk to experts and they give the financial <laughs> advice. So uh, timed to, of course, the royal tour, I did a story about how the royals make money because that is a mystery to so many people yeah and we get asked that and we're always like i don't know i don't know and i didn't know and so i like volunteered to write this story because i thought it was really interesting and i wanted an opportunity to research it okay so guys i researched it and i deeply especially maybe british readers or sorry listeners i need you to explain to me what the big deal is so i spent hours and hours researching how they make money and what i came away with is they are basically living off the money that they essentially already make for the country so the queen's money comes from three primary places um the sovereign grant which is should i just sorry should i just go right into yeah no i'm like please remind me because i read that article but i'm also like (laughs) a tequila and a half deep so please yeah so first the the operating cost of running the monarchy all those events the private planes keeping up buckingham palace is estimated to be around 300 million pounds a year um that's like the figure that's always thrown out there so my understanding, because I've always heard people like complain about it, is that the British taxpayers pay for the royals. Not exactly. So the Queen's income comes from three places. Uh, one, the Sovereign Grant, which was created in 2011. There have been various ways that the they have she's gotten payment from the government in the past, but she currently gets it from the Sovereign Grant, which is the name for a set amount of money that the Treasury, the British Treasury, gives to her every year. That money comes from... A percentage of the in, the investments of her own property. <laughs> so she and of course her family and a thousand years of British royals own tons of property around the UK, including limestone quarries, the seabeds, Regency Street, um, or sorry, Regent Street. This is I don't live in London, so I don't know. Just like a whole street, like like Fifth Avenue in New York. Like she owns all of the retail store. Like she owns that real estate. So she owns tons and tons of property, or her family does, or the royals do, starting from William the Conqueror. So around the 18th century, she sort of stopped managing. Like the royals stopped managing it themselves, and sort of let the treasury manage it. And in exchange, they give the royal family a percentage of the profits like from the the income from those properties. So she's living off 
her own possessions, essentially. Um, so that's part one. Part two is she owns yet more property that she lives mm-hmm. off the profits of. Um, and then the final thing is she has a that is also managed privately, um, not by her. And then third, she has a third portfolio of her own private buildings, investments, properties, stocks, bonds. So she's just living off her own wealth. She's living off like the inflation of her own wealth. It's great. Similar to me. Similar to me. <laughs> My savings account gives me 10 cents every two months. That's that's basically what she's doing. She's living off that percentage of her own property. Um, and then that money trickles down to her entire family. But what I thought was interesting from your article. Okay, I'm interviewing you now. Yeah, please, please. What I thought was interesting was um, how much this actually costs the British taxpayers each year because like individually because this is something that I've wondered about because I've seen the criticism and I understand the I mean abstractly understand the criticism but I, I was I kind of assumed it was a lot of money yeah so they put their finances aside from her that little private that third item I mentioned her private investments um, which is kept private the rest all those finances are released to the public every year so uh, last year when they did that when they released the report her treasurer pointed out that each British taxpayer contributed 69 pence for the year to the royal family so let that's with you know translated to America to exchange to American dollars that's like 90 cents so each British taxpayer pays about 90 cents a year um, toward the British family but then how much money for the, the royal family excuse me but then how much money does the royal family bring back each year because so, don't right. they like there's like a return on investment. There's a gigantic return on that investment of 90 cents per person. So, of course, they bring in millions of dollars, millions of pounds in tourism and estimated even up to a billion pounds, especially on years that are special, like 2011 when William and Kate got married. And now 2018 is anticipated again that it'll be over a billion dollars will be brought in. And obviously that's hard to sort of like track down and nail down wh- how do they bring in tourism or how can you prove that this person visited the UK because of William and Kate or Meghan and Harry Um, but you see like in 2011 there was a 3% increase in new visitors to the UK so nothing else changed so it must have they assume it was William and Kate the William and Kate effect that means more money to the hotels more money to British Airways more money to the bars the museums you Mm -hmm. know people buying the trinkets of like a little London Bridge statue or magnet, all that money counts. There's estimated to be millions of dollars were spent on the, excuse me, crap that was created after <laughs> uh, Harry and Meghan's wedding. The little figurines of them, the the specialty plates, that is estimated to have brought in like eight million pounds this year. So these are very real, it, like industries are created, cottage industries are created out of the royal family. So that kind of blew my mind. They bring in almost a billion dollars themselves, and they only take in a couple of like pennies per British taxpayer. Um, not to mention that, of course, when they go on their tours, tourism increases to those countries as well. When William and Kate went to Australia a couple of years ago, uh, the Australian Tourism Board, like their website crashed. They talked about how they had like a 200% increase in traffic. Um, TripAdvisor.com said that they had a gigantic rise in bookings to Australia. There's all these like quantifiable ways that they just bring in a huge amount of dough. I'm so happy that you wrote this because these were all things that I've really wondered because, I mean, we've had people even like writing in and asking about like Eugenie's wedding and the cost of the taxpayers and stuff like that. And so I've been very, very curious and I hope that it comes across that this isn't, we're not like saying 
this isn't like pro it's not propaganda that's what i'm basically trying to say like we're not saying like right. hey british people you're wrong like this is no, just I wanna fascinating under- i want to understand i'd actually love to hear from british listeners because i i don't after researching this more i i understand anti-monarchy people even less if i thought they were a drain on the economy that would be one thing but i don't completely understand then why people hate them again if you're listening to this podcast you're probably a fan of the royals um but i need to understand what i'm not understanding about the system of the royal economy teach me explain it to me because i don't get it i get it less now in nice terms in nice terms say hey caitlin here's what you're getting wrong about all that (laughs) stuff um because i desperately I, i need to understand it um okay i think that's it for today yeah i well that of course of course i got like some stuff left caitlin it's not like done (laughs) not done done i'm not gonna like literally drop them this is a very expensive mic i wouldn't drop it or knock it over um or like walk out the door and i'll be like caitlin come back (laughs) i have a drink to finish for one thing um so before we adjourn the royal pod some highs and lows it's time for the royal highs and lows so my high is incredibly adorable. Um, two of the designers for Oscar de la Renta gave an interview about Doria Ragland, who we all know is Megan's mom, and her behavior leading up to the royal wedding, which is so sweet. So they were working on her outfit because Megan apparently reached out to them because she really wanted an American designer to be represented on the day. So that's why her mom wore Oscar de la Renta, which is really lovely. And the designers said that Doria would bring snacks for them. And it was like healthy snacks. Like that's the most adorable mom thing I have ever heard. I just love, love that. She just, she just gets better and better for me. I love her. I love her too. I really hope she is moving in with them so we can, she can teach the baby yoga and stuff. (laughs) And also support her daughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, teach the baby yoga please please um my hi and again as we said we have plans we have things underway to talk more which do some special fashion segments about the tour but my hi in the meantime was that oscar de la renta bird dress wow i just realized both of our highs are oscar de la renta <laughs> oh, <that's right>. <laughs> <laughs> talk about propaganda <clears throat> i wish that were SpawnCon. <laughs> If sponsor us, if Oscar, de- we would love it. I have a wedding this weekend. If Oscar De La Renta wants to send me a dress to wear to that, that would be completely fine. Um, but yes, so again, another fashion highlight. There was the blue cape dress, and then there was the bird covered dress that she wore. Uh, that dress, I loved it so much. But one thing I saw was some people saying that she looks like a princess. No, she looks like a movie star. Yeah. She is full glam. Princess to me is Kate going to the prom with that tiara on. <laughs> like, granted, I think Kate looked beautiful, but I that think was, everyone agrees that uh, was a very promy dress. Alexander McQueen. Now we know what that was. Oh, yeah. Alexander McQueen. Not Jessica McClinton. <laughs> like I said. Yeah. But that's princess. Yeah. Megan, glam. The shoes were amazing. I loved uh, the cut of it. Just the print was so delicate and so beautiful. And... Oh, this tour. What are we going to do with ourselves when it's over? I don't even want to think about it. I honestly don't know. I honestly don't know. But what we'll do is we'll live off this content forever and we'll have another fashion segment in a couple of weeks. So it's fine. Yeah. But then my low is sad, but also confusing. So I saw headlines saying that the Queen's last corgi had died. And I was like, didn't that already happen? Deja vu. Because in the spring, there are headlines saying that the Queen's last corgi had died. So for the cut, I did an investigation into how many last corgis she had. <laughs> so it turns out that when she was 18, she was given a corgi named Susan. 
and for years and years and years, she would just breed corgis from Susan's line. Kind of like a royal corgi bloodline. Absolutely, that's what it was. Which is truly on on brand. <laughs> Very on brand. And then, you know, a few years ago, she was like, I'm not going to breed them anymore because I don't want to leave any behind, which we talked about Crushes at me. the time. It was very sad. But then, so when the last one died in September, I mean, sorry, in the April, spring, yeah. she had already adopted a different corgi from her former, one of her former employees. And so she, so she still had a corgi, but the last corgi that had died in the spring was the last of Susan's line. Right. So this, the corgi that just died was her adopted corgi. Yes. But don't worry, she has dorgies left. <laughs> she, has, she has inbred corgis left. Which are corgi dachshunds. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I... I was confused and I'm so glad you wrote that. I'd be so glad if anybody wrote that story, but I'm so glad obviously that it was you. Cause I was like, wait, we've discussed this news story already. I was like, the last one already died. Yeah. And also like, it's upsetting enough to me when a dog dies. Yeah. Even if I don't know this dog. So like, I can't go through that again. So I'm glad that we cleared that up, but it still makes me sad that she's so I don't know, morbid about her dogs. Just keep R. getting dogs. RIP whisper. R.I.P. Whisper. Um, so also, so Milo is um, also very sad. So we already got serious once with the midterm election call out. Um, but I want to take just one quick other moment to be serious for a second. Um, obviously, if you guys are reading any of the news in the United States right now, it's incredibly sad. And Lisa and I were both uh, horrified by the violence in Pittsburgh over the weekend. Um, we both uh, have so many Jewish friends, Jewish mentors. We want to, if we have any Jewish listeners, just reach out and say that we are thinking of you and we are sending you love. Um, that also, there's uh, lots of horror, unfortunately, to go around these days. And so we're also thinking of our trans listeners who are currently being erased by the Trump administration, um, quite literally. And then uh, there was also a racially motivated attack in Kentucky last week. So to our black listeners, we are thinking of you and sending you love as well. And once again, everybody, please vote. My God, please vote on Tuesday to our American listeners because it is rough out there and we are thinking of all of you and hoping that as always, this podcast is a little respite from all that bad stuff, but we would be remiss not to mention it because it's tough times. Um, Yes, but we love you all and we love our Riley Obsessed community. It's such a wonderful network of people who are just so supportive of each yeah. other like the Facebook group I love being in it now everyone's <laughs> yes. just so friendly and chatting and it seems like people kind of know each other from the group and it's so lovely I would love that so and actually we're going to read one of those so remember to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts here is a real review from royal fan Caitlin B K-I-T-L-I-N just how I smell it <laughs> hi girls my name is Caitlin also so I feel like I have a special connection to you Caitlin I just had to pop on here and leave you a five star review knowing I can listen to this podcast every Thursday morning motivates me to get up from my jog. You girls have the, which is quite an accomplishment. That's Lisa and I hate getting up and we hate running. You, I actually really hate it. I hate it. I hate it so I much. I hate it. And someone once told me I was bad at it. I had a coach in high school who was like, you're bad at running. Oh, I know I'm bad at it because after like <laughs> 0.2 miles, I'm just like, I can't, I can't go on. I don't know how anyone does it. But so. I don't hate people who run. I admire people who run. No, I hugely. just hate doing it myself. So I'm glad we're helping you out with that. Uh, you girls have the best voices. Thank you also. Oh my God. And I love your upbeat banter with each other. It's truly like sitting around with my girlfriend sipping coffee and chatting all things royal please keep up the good work xoxo we shall try caitlin way to have a great name 
We also love Lisa's. <laughs> Lisa's are are encouraged to reach out as well. Uh, you can follow the show on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Where can listeners follow you, Lisa? I'm Lisa Raya on Twitter and Instagram, and you can read me at the cut. And uh, you can follow me, Caitlin, at HeyKmenz, H-E-Y-K-M-E-N-Z, on Twitter and Instagram, and read my writing at CaitlinMenza.com. Until next week, God save the pod. Oh, was that too sad? <laughs> it was too sad. Her Majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a gallery podcast production.